listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy, Australia's number one weekly podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies, here to bring an independent voice to truckies right round Australia. On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, and Queensland Rail committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. G'day and thanks for joining us once again. It's episode number 123 and this week we take a look at the situation with the floods in WA and how it's affecting road transport when Mike is joined by Cam Dumsney from the Western Roads Federation. As always, we've got some great Aussie homegrown music to share with you with a couple of great songs from James Johnston and Melody Moko. Mike puts the Coffs Harbour bypass under the microscope later in the show in something to talk about and we've got all the latest from the On The Road newsroom and more, so... Let's get this show on the road! Yes, get over that! G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the On The Road program. <laughs> <laughs> It was April 1979 and a cast of thousands of disillusioned truckies were making history, setting up a series of blockades the likes of which had never been seen before and most likely will never be seen again. Led by Ted Greenog Stevens and a small band of dedicated individuals, this massive wave of protest against unreasonable working conditions, unfair pay rates and unjust laws spread like wildfire from its home base atop Razorback Mountain. Razorback, The Real Story is the book written by Ted Stevens that chronicles the dramatic days of the blockade, the battles with politicians and the media, and that time in history when truckies around the country united in a powerful force and said, enough. Razorback, The Real Story has now been made into a beautifully produced audiobook, which will be officially released and available for purchase at ontheroadradio.com.au from Australia Day, January 26, 2023. Whatever you do, don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to discover all the facts and details of the Australian trucking legend that is simply known as Razorback. Tell you what, what a start to the new year, but it's been a quiet start to the new year because there's no news anywhere. We all know that there's a lot of flooding and a lot of damage going on up in Western Australia. We've had our fair share of it here in the eastern states. I decided I'd get Cam Dumsney from Western Roads Federation on the phone and we'd find out what's going on up there. As we speak, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese and Premier Mark McGowan from Western Australia have taken the big aeroplane ride up to Fitzroy Crossing and they're having a bit of a look at the devastation up there. The PM and the Premier have visited the Crossings Evacuation Centre. They're going to go back to Broome and have a photo op with the volunteers and emergency workers. McGowan's warned that the flood-hit communities face a long recovery period. I'm having a look at an aerial shot of the bridge over the Fitzroy River. It is absolutely destroyed. They couldn't have done a better job if they'd have bombed it. There's a lot of damage up there. 
So we've got Cam Dumsney from Western Roads on to talk about it. He's going to tell us all about what we don't know. Cam, how you going, mate? G'day, mate. How are you? Oh, I'm all right. Better than you guys. <laughs> yeah, just a bit, just a bit. Tell you what, it's a bloody mess up there, mate. Yeah, look, it's an understatement. So, look, the basics of this, we had uh, Tropical Cyclone Alley that sort of cruised down between, um, hit the coast between WANT border, came in Timber Creek there on uh, Northern Territory on the Victoria Highway there between Cunanara and Catherine. Yep. Give it a, a record flood, 150-year flood. Give that a complete wash, you know, washout, a bit of damage. It then sort of drifted into the NT and then it drops down to a tropical low and then it changed its mind and decided to come back over the Kimberley as a slow-moving low, dropping a lot of rain and then it decided to head back to the NT yep. and then thought it liked WA a lot and that's understandable. So it came back to WA and sat over there and then it really couldn't make up its mind what it wanted to do. Yep. Still dropping rain. So we've ended up with something like, I think, just under a metre of rain in the Fitzroy Valley. Yeah, sort of up around 800 mils metre of rain in that sort of vicinity. And, you know, the folk, it just becomes very wet. Put some perspective on it, you know, if you're on the coast, uh, the side of the continent. That Fitzroy River in one day in flood was producing more water than Perth consumes in 20 years. Like the volumes are staggering. Yeah, I yeah, heard some news report or something like it was 60,000 megalitres or some bloody thing a minute. It was just yeah. just an astronomical amount of water flowing down the river. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And it's sort of well over record heights of floods. So it crossed over the bridge. And you know, it took them a while to work out whether the bridge actually existed or not. Yeah. And then you've seen the shots it took the bridge out. Yeah. But what it also took out was the fibre optic cables for Telstra because they all hang underneath the bridge. Oh, lovely. So we've lost the Telstra connections up there. They're trying to fix those. But then we had washouts downstream. The lead-ups to the bridge have been washed away. So that's pretty average. And then the water comes downstream a bit further. It's took about five days. It's now at Willair. So... You basically come up Great Northern Highway, you hit Roebuck Plains Roadhouse there, you go left into Broome, right, you head towards Willair. Right. So going right, so now you're pretty much now in the start of the Kimberley. So you head right through Willair. That's flooded and there's going to be a fair bit of damage. We think the roads there will be taken out. But when you get the other side of Willair, that's where you turn right. That will take you through Fitzroy Crossing, Cunanara, that way, and go straight ahead, takes you into Derby. Well, at the moment, Willair's cut, so Derby's isolated, Fitzroy Crossing's isolated. The only way we can get into Fitzroy Crossing is via Kununurra, which is across the top, but even then, we can't actually get into the town because it's the other side of the river. What does it mean, though, for trucks? I mean, obviously, all the produce and everything that would normally come out of Kununurra that would come down the coast is going to have to come down the middle, isn't it? Yeah, so, so there's one other step we missed, and that is the Roebuck Plains south of Broome. Right. That's cut. There's half a metre, three quarters of a metre of water over there. So that's one where you see it's like they're driving through the sea. About 2018, you'll see some photos there. Yeah. So Broome's been cut off. But you're right. In terms of the produce out of the Ord River area, normally that would be backloaded. It'll come back down through the Kimberley and then down to Perth that way. We set up with the government, the ATA helped, NHVR and a stack of other. I wanted the triple road train route set up. Mm. 
across through to Port Augusta, then up the centre to Catherine, and then across into Kununurra that way. Here's something that just this, because I was trying to explain to somebody in the East Coast how far it was. Yeah. It's normally, say, 3,000-odd kilometres up there. Six, let's say it's normally it's a 6,000-kilometre round trip. Just a short drive. Ah, look, it's just a day in the park. That's right. The detour become 12,000-kilometre round trip. Unreal. And then so to put some perspective on it, that's the same as driving from pretty much Calais on the English Channel yep. all the way across Europe, all the way across Asia, to Vladivostok on the Sea of Japan, the other side of Russia. Wow. One way. That's roughly what the distance is. That's incredible when you think about, gee, we live in a big place, don't we? Well, we do. We do. And that creates a whole lot of challenges we'll get onto in a minute. Yeah. So certainly the infrastructure, the roads, the bridges, there's just a load of damage being done up there. Fixing it in terms of the actual time it's going to take, as I said, that Fitzroy River Bridge looks like it's just been bombed. Yeah, yeah. It's going to have to be well dismantled and replaced. That's not going to happen in five minutes, mate. In the interim, what does that mean for road transport going up the West Coast? But we're going to have to run up the centre for some time. Mm. In terms of available options, so all the lead-up roads, the abutments are all gone. Yep. The bridge is standing a little bit, you know, what's left of it standing there by its Pat Malone in the middle. Mm. There is a forward downstream. There's an old one. That's about three kilometres downstream. But, yeah, look, what condition that is. It hasn't been used since, you know, Captain Cook was doing his little trip around the world. Yeah. So, yeah, that'll need to fix, but that could be very limited. So, realistically, it's going to be a while. And that's assuming there's no great damage at Willair because there could be some of those lead-up approaches into Willair that could be highly damaged. So there could be problems there. Yeah, right. So now you start, well, okay, well, basically you've got the community on one side, you got then you've got the river, and on the other side you've got Fitzroy Crossing Lodge, which is the main tourist thing. So tourist lodge is on the Kununurra side. Yep. So we want to bring stuff in. We're going to have to bring it into both sides of the river when we get there. Well, we've got to get oversized, you know, heavy equipment. Well, that's going to have to come via the Northern Territory. Yeah. But the Stewart Highway's been flooded because the other risk we had was there was heavy rains through Central Australia mm. and then we had the ex-cyclone heading in that direction. So there's a high risk we're going to have flooding through Alice Springs, yeah. Tennant Creek area too, which could have cut that road. There's already water over the road. Well, there was water in the Todd River there not long ago. Yeah, so. it was. Yeah, it's about time it had a clean out. Yeah. But yeah, and then the Barclay Highway out of Queensland, well, that's been underwater yeah. as well. So that's just come up. So, you know, how you get stuff, heavy equipment in there for repairs is going to be interesting. This is going to be a fair challenge. Albanese's told 6PR that there's significant emergency assistance packages on the way for the residents up there. He's talking about $10,000 grants for housing repairs and to replace essential household items. We've got to get them up there. So that's the next problem. Yeah. We've got to get the fridges, white goods and everything else up. They're all going to have to come out of the centre. They don't have enough in Darwin. But, you know, that's just the start of the problems. Uh, see the RAAF have been doing their bit. There's a lovely picture of a Globemaster sitting on the tarmac up there. Uh, Broome. At Broome, I think it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We have actually have a strategic... This is one of the things we forget because the old Max defence is, you know. Mm. Our big strategic air force base for the northwest is at Curtin, which is just near Derby. Yeah. Well, you think about how much fuel and everything else that a, you know, an active air force base would use. Yeah. At the moment, we can't get any trucks anywhere near it. Wow. 
So, you know, there's strategic problem for the nation too, and we've already spoken, you know, obviously defence about that. Well, the whole thing is obviously a very evolving situation. Yeah. There are no other routes, though, are there? I mean, no. that's the one, no. the one road, and that's it pretty much, isn't it? Yeah, look, so for 120 years of federation, all we've managed to do is put one bit of bitumen from pretty much Port Augusta around through WA up the coast and back into Darwin and then one down the middle. That's it. We've had this before. We lose the highway through the Kimberley due to flooding of some event and we'll lose the Stewart Highway. You know, we've had that happen in January last year. Yep. The northwest was only out for a week, but... Yeah, we lost the North-South Railway line and we lost the Stewart Highway for a month. We lost the East-West Railway line for over a month. And, you know, you got a major capital city, two or three million people, whatever we got over here, and you got Darwin, Northern Territory, and then it all had to be supplied, actually, out of Western New South Wales and Queensland or via road across the paddock. Yeah, unbelievable. It, it is unbelievable. And the government then said, oh, well, they'll brag about shipping. Well... When that rail was knocked out, from the time it was knocked out to the time the first ship arrived mm. was six weeks later. You know, like, let's not talk, you know. It doesn't happen overnight, does it? No, there's no such thing as hot shot shipping, that's for sure. <laughs> Listen, we'll just slip off to a quick break and we'll hear from the sponsors and we'll come back and we'll talk about some other stuff, mate. No problem, mate. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. We're back with Cam Dubsney, the man from the Western Roads Federation. Mate, the farmers up there are going to be pretty well screwed as well, aren't they? Yeah, look, they are. One of the big problems we've had with the Ord, the Ord's fantastic. Mm. Good land, good irrigation, it, it ticks every box. The problem is getting the produce out cost-effectively to market. Yep. You know, they predominantly rely on getting it down by road freight. Generally, it's a backload back to Perth. Well, that's just balls that up because you've just added another, you know, whatever it is, over 3,500 kilometres, I think it is, one way on the return trip. Yeah. Now, that jacks up the price. Truckies aren't charity, so they've got to make money on it. But the government's going to have to put its hand in its pocket because when this bridge is fixed... We want our local transport companies up there that were supporting them mm. still in business because they still need to support them. And we need those businesses up and growers and farmers up there still in action. How are the livestockers going, mate? They lost a lot of livestock in the floods. They've lost a real lot. They got a little bit up to higher ground. But you know, I was reading the other day, one of the problems is you'll see the cattle and that they'll all get onto the roads because it generally is that little bit higher than what's around. Yeah. And that creates problems too, obviously, for trucks when you're going through, when it is open. I saw a photo there uh, of about 25 kangaroos standing on a bloody mound. 
And I'm thinking to myself, that's not going to be a lot of fun for you guys. No, no, no. But it looked like a more intelligent group than 25 <laughs> people from North Melbourne gathering. So oh, no, come on. Don't be like that, mate. Don't be like that. <laughs> but no, it is just a, the scale of it is mind-blowing. Yeah. I think they're talking – I've I've heard figures. And they're, not, you know, they're not exact, but the river width at one stage was anything up to 25 kilometres wide. Yeah. You know, they're mind-blowing figures. But it's not a fast recovery. You spoke before, and this is something as a transport industry we need to get better at, is we're hammering away to compensate transport companies because traditionally they'll compensate the farmers, the community, whatever else. Mm. Well, our transport companies, we've got a good transport companies there, like, you know, say Dean Wilson there in Broome, mm. runs through from Broome to Kununurra. They've got depots, Fitzroy and whatever. Mm. Well, they won't be able to get through, and it's not likely they're going to run down to, you know, through Mekathara and whatever down to Port Augusta and back around the other side and make a 300-kilometre trip something like about 7,000, I don't know where it would be. Yeah. That's just not viable. So we need to make sure that they're getting looked after because we need those companies. You need those good companies because they're close to their community and they support those communities. Yeah. But here's the other part that we, you know, and this is where we've just... It's fine. We have Premier and Prime Minister up there today. They make the big announcement. But when we look at that cyclone that happened at Kelbarry, the tropical cyclone Saroja that wiped out Kelbarry, well, 12 months later, they've come in, they've made the announcements. 12 months later, they were still arguing over where they were going to build the emergency accommodation to house the workers, construction workers, that were required to come in and do the repairs. Yeah. Yep. We can't have that going on in this case either. No, well, that's one of those things that we really do need to get a handle on. I think there's just sometimes in the effort to save 20 bucks, they cost the communities very, very dearly. Ah, oh, look, they do. You know, I think one of the things that, you know, when these things happen, and I'm biased because I'm ex-uniformed, you know, ex-army, but they need to put someone in charge, be it a, a copper, an ex, you know, a senior copper or a senior somebody out of defence, and so you are responsible to make this happen. And then all the groups report through to them because you probably end up with too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Yeah. And they're all putting their little two bob in and no one's accountable. No one gets out and makes it happen. So, you know, I think that's one of the things we've got to look at. We'll chip in on it. We're not going to lead on it. Yeah, well. But, you know, from our side, we need that road open. This is the National Highway. There is no freight route between Perth, direct freight route now between Perth and Darwin. Simple as that. There is no connection to our strategic, nationally strategic air force base at Derby. Full stop. Unbelievable. So all this stuff, you know, we've got to get better at it. You know, we talk about with this, the scale of money required to fix this is minuscule relative to how much it costs to build a freeway in Sydney and Melbourne. Indeed. And what's it like in the old stomping ground up at Port Hedland, mate? Are they still getting the iron ore out of the mines up there? Or? Oh, they're just they're fair pumping it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're still uh, successfully selling, you know, Australia off one cubic metre at a time. Unreal. Yeah, they're just pumping it out. The huge volume's still going out. A lot of lithium now starting to kick in. You know, so there's a lot of activity over here, as you know. We've just come off a record harvest. I think we're up around 24 million tonnes. 2017, I remember that it was a record harvest then. It was only 17 million. Yep. So, you know, and that's a lot of trucks. A lot of trucks needed for that. Yeah, well. Yeah, we, uh, we need more people. 
Well, I know my old mate Yogi Kendall's been flying around all around through the wheat belt and down around the southwest there carting machines around. Yeah. You can barely get him on the phone because of that fantastic phone service situation you've got happening over there. Oh, Telstra need to pick their game up a little bit over there, I think. Just, uh, just bloody ridiculous. Telstra, yeah, at least you know, you'll see Telstra in the bush, but... <laughs> Look, we, we've got to do something. We need phone coverage right across our freight routes. It's amazing when you go to talk to someone on the phone, like I talked to Yogi or or uh, some of the other fellows that I know over there, and they can tell you down to the metre when they're facing <laughs> I get off the phone, Mick. I'll be out of service here in 500 metres. I'll get off the phone. I'll call you back in yeah. half an hour. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God, that's funny. Maybe we should get a few truckies to draw a map for Telstra and say, these are the bits you need to fix. <laughs> well, actually, I did that because I had to run up to Cunanara for something I had to do. So they put a, whatever it is, some data logger in Twin Cap, and I was bringing everybody up and as I normally do along the road, and that was monitoring the network connection all the way along, all the way up there. But, you know, all the Telstra Optus and that will advertise 99% coverage. Mm. That's of the population. Yeah. But of the geography, it's something like 22% of WA has actually got mobile phone coverage. Yeah, I hear you. Well, yeah. and the population lives on the East Coast. I know that you've got a phone meeting you're supposed to be getting to and we've, we've got the time difference between you and me, mate. It's uh, great to catch up with you again. I wish it was under better circumstances. Uh, no, look, mate, give us a call any time. And uh, look, anybody out there that gets stuck, just give us a call. Get on to Mike, give me a call, and uh, we'll see what we can do to help you out. We're going to have a long disruption on this one. Yeah. All right. Well, no worries. We'll uh, we'll do what we can to help out, and uh, we'll see you on the road, I suppose, mate. Absolutely. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. So that was Cam Dumsney from the Western Roads Federation telling us about what's going on over there. I'll tell you what, they look like they're in for a few challenges. It was great to catch up with him, and we'll try and keep you abreast of the situation. If you're going up into the northwest of Western Australia, make sure that you check out the road information first and see which way to go. You might save yourself a couple of thousand kilometres of detour. All right, take care. We'll see you out there. Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On the Road podcasts every week. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there. And in the meantime, take care of you. Copy there, Andy. Gotcha, go. Better throw out those anchors, buddy. The traffic's at a standstill up here. I reckon some clown's got himself stuck under the Dunlop Terrace Railway Bridge again. Again? Maybe he was delivering a bridge and ran out of diesel. Yeah, no, it's no joke, really. According to Queensland Rail, there's been 65 bridge strikes and around 280 of those protection beams hit on the Queensland Rail network in the last financial year. With the fines around 11 and a half grand, you'd think drivers would make a point of knowing the height of their truck. The fines are one thing. More to the point, these people are risking their lives and putting others in danger. Yeah, roger that. Maybe Queensland Rail should do some kind of educational advertising to warn drivers about the danger of bridge strikes. They are, mate. Why do you think we're recording this? <laughs> oh, yeah. They're smart people at Queensland, right? Yeah, good looking too, just like us. <laughs> this safety message is brought to you by Queensland Rail as a reminder to us all that size matters. Know your trucking height.
One of our favourite Aussie music artists we've featured on this show over the past couple of years is James Johnston. Like so many other singer-songwriters who've gone on to achieve great success in the Australian music industry, James got his start on TV talent shows, placing third in the final season of the original Australian Idol in 2009 and then going on to feature on The X Factor in 2014. I've actually played to a crowd of two. Literally a man and his dog. That was it. And the dog left halfway through too, which made it so terrible. Now, since July in 2021, when he released his brilliant debut single, Raised Like That, he's raced from strength to strength, releasing a stack of great songs that have all had hit written all over them. He's one out of the box, a massive talent and a super top bloke to boot who deserves every bit of the recognition and success he's achieved to date. Here this week with another of his great songs is our mate James Johnston with My People. Johnston here, and you're listening to On the Road with Mike and Andy.
something to talk about. They're just about ready to get underway with all this bypass through Coffs Harbour and all that sort of thing. Be talking about a traffic light free run from Brisbane all the way down to Sydney. Well, they're going to have to fix that bit through Heatherbray and the Hexham Bridge as well. But by the time they've done it, they'll have knocked out, they say, 12 sets of traffic lights there through Coffs Harbour and they'll shorten the trip time by quite a lot. I know I, for one, won't miss driving through Coffs at all. The coast road was always a challenge for me. I hated the coast road with a passion. Wouldn't go up there. Now it's the Newell Highway for me. I don't like the Newell and I hate the New England, so... I'll choose the coast road every time, even if I've got to drive through coughs for the rest of my life. The least of your problems. But it's going to be fantastic. At the moment now, we've got a, a traffic light run free virtually through from uh, the bottom of Pennant Hills Road all the way to Dandenong, if you want to. It's going to be a situation there shortly where, obviously, we'll be able to drive all the way from Brisbane to Dandenong without a set of traffic lights as long as you don't have to use Pennant Hills Road, right? You're a placard of load. 2028, they're saying, well, I don't know if I'll hold my breath on that or not. They've been saying that it's going to be done for a long time now. We'll see how it goes. Other road improvements, well, look, I hope they have the common sense to have a look at the parking bay situation along there. We really don't have enough parking bays. And come holiday time, the campers and holiday makers do make a meal of the available facilities and make it a little bit harder for the guys that are out there on the road. Obviously tough to get a shower at the best times. It's even tougher to get a meal. I'd like to see something down the track where maybe we get a few more food vans operating. It doesn't have to be fuel islands or anything like that. It's you know, Facilities more than anything. We can get our fuel wherever we like, you know. We just don't have to just drive around the corner to get fuel. So that's the way it's going. Are there other roads that need work done on them? Well, I'm sure that there are, and I'm sure that you know what they are if you're travelling them. Please get on to me, send me an email, mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au or give me a ring and let me know if there's bits of road that you want to talk about. Obviously, you know, we were talking there before with Cam Dumsney about how the roads up in the northwestern Australia are a bloody right at the moment. And look, it happens up the Bruce Highway every year. We've really got to do something about some forward planning and making sure that the road infrastructure that we've got is fit for the purpose. There's getting more and more people on the road. There's getting more and more people out there who are relying on road transport to get things from A to B. We need to have a bit of a think about this. And for those of you who are out there screaming, rail, rail, everything's got to go on rail. Well, the rail doesn't stop at the supermarket. It's got to get there by truck eventually. So the roads are just as important as the rail. Yes, I know. Ring me up if you've got a problem, all right? The number's out there. Something to talk about, something to think about. One of my favourite parts of the show, this is. Take it easy. We'll catch you on the road. G'day, everyone. This is Gordon, your favourite Canadian refugee trucker living in America, where, whilst hauling logs around the far northern reaches of Appalachia, I enjoy the On The Road podcast with Mike and Andy. Keep it up with the news and history and everything that's good about trucking and the land down under. What a great show. Thanks a bunch. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better. We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, g'day, how are you? No, I mean, 
How are you? Really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. On the Road News is brought to you by Big Rings, Australia's national road transport newspaper. G'day Mike, how's it going old mate? Well, I've had better days mate, I took a bit of a nosedive the other day, I've done myself a bit of a mischief, Mm. and I found myself spending a few days at home, we're going to have a few tests and find out exactly how much damage I've done to myself, but... You'd think by 60 years old I'd learn how to bloody uh, walk around without tripping over my own feet, wouldn't you? Well, you'd think so. I mean, you're not supposed to be climbing ladders or anything now at that age, so... Yeah, well, yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you one thing, mate. I'm laying there on the ground, right, and I rolled over onto my back, and you know the first thing I thought? I, I could hazard a guess, but you tell me. <laughs> this is going to hurt for months. Uh, <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, there you go. Anyway, how are you? You right? Oh, mate, yeah, reasonably... Okay, similar sort of story. Had an interesting one today. The bride had to play taxi driver to get me to the hospital for some scans. And yeah. she also had to get the pup to the vets to be de-knackered. Oh, no. So she's been quite a bit stressed by it all. Anyway, just got home about an hour ago. And when the drugs wore off, I realised I not only had a plastic cone around my neck, it was bloody sore when I sat down. <laughs> oh, geez, I hope that's just a joke. Well, I hope the dog's okay. <laughs> Oh, dear, dear, dear. Doesn't even bear thinking about it, does it? It doesn't, no. (laughs) Anyway. The Chinese truck giant Photon has announced details of its first dealership and service network around Australia for its so-called new energy range. Mate, they have. They've got stuck right into it, the old Photon guys, and CMV look like they're sort of supporting the whole program a little bit. It's a very, very interesting concept. Hmm. The Photon concept, they're, they're really just little light-duty trucks which are just designed to dart around all over town. Yep. There's going to be an agency in Cairns, Townsville, Brisbane, Melbourne, Adelaide, Perth and Sydney. Hmm. So I don't expect that they're thinking that these things will go outside of the metropolitan areas. Our good mates at Truck Assist are going to be doing the roadside service, so I expect they've got some of their technicians going to get educated about that. Mm-hmm. Look, love them or hate them, electric vehicles are going to be something that's going to happen down the track. We've got no getting away from that. Mm. And they've got their place. So it's interesting. But to see a big Chinese company come out you know, and go, go, they've gone hard. They've, they've really put their money where their mouth is. Let's see what happens. It'll be interesting. Yeah. Just hope they're going to COVID test the trucks when they hit the wharves. <laughs> <laughs> they come out with a bra, like put a car bra on them. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Mate. Further on from your chat with Cam Dumsney earlier in the show, news that a mammoth flood relief effort is underway in the Kimberley region in WA. I'll tell you what, mate, the the photos that are coming out now from up there, the damage up there has just been unbelievable. 
like I said when I was talking to Cam, the, the bridge there, look, at Fitzroy Crossing, looks like it's been bombed. Mm. You know, they couldn't have done a better job. And so now they're talking about the relief efforts. They're saying that it's going to take months or maybe even a year or more before some of that in- infrastructure up there is even looked at. Yeah. There's some uh, interesting crossings. We're talking about the Roebuck Plains when I was talking with Cam, and there's a picture there on the uh, bigrigs.com.au webpage in the story of one of Centurion's triples. Looks like it's a ship at sea, not a truck on a road. It's incredible. Mm. Obviously, there's a huge maritime effort to try and sort of add to what's going on on the road, but the fire and emergency services guys have been working overtime. Obviously, the councils and, and everyone else are going to really struggle with the roads up there. It amazes me because there's a hell of a lot of mining and you know, primary production up there. You'd think that some of these miners would have an interest in, in what's going on on some of these roads, wouldn't you? Yeah, yep. The floodwaters peaked in the Fitzroy River catchment. Uh, record water flows through there. Uh, there was hundreds of kilometres of water and ridiculousnesses. They've even uh, spotted crocodiles up at Willair now, which is something that really doesn't happen very often, I don't think. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things, Australia, beware, mate. Everything's trying to kill you out there. Yeah, so they say. It was just amazing, some of the detours that the trucks are having to take. Yeah, it's just a function of the fact that the traffic volumes on those roads really hasn't been that great and certainly hasn't warranted putting a second road in. Mm. But we really don't understand exactly how important the uh, infrastructure is for road transport and that until it gets cut. That's it. North Queensland finds out about it every year. You know, I mean, surely we've watched enough episodes of Outback Truckers now watching Steve Graham get bogged to the arse up there to know that we need some better roads. Mm. Not hard to work out. Not rocket science. No. Despite supply chain issues that impacted many of the manufacturers through 2022, figures just released reveal a new record for heavy vehicle sales in Australia, Mike. Mate, last year... Unbelievable for truck sales. I could not believe how many trucks were sold. Hmm. The old record was 41,500. The new record's nearly 44,500. So that's a lot more trucks. You would never think that there are that many trucks on the road, but there are. Hmm. Go to the story bigrigs.com.au and have a bit of a read. But there are a lot of graphics that are out and about on this. And one of them I found just on a random web page. I can't remember where it was. But it shows Kenworth sold like 3,000 trucks. Well, obviously, the SARs were a big part of that. Mm. The Legend series, I think that accounted for about 700 of them. Mm. But Volvo, close beyond 2,500. And then you look down all the way down on the right-hand side of the graphic to Hyundai. I think they might have sold three by the look of the number on the, Good on them. Yeah. the, number on the graphic. Yeah. But I wasn't aware that there were so many trucks in the market, so many brand names in the market in Australia, like Mercedes, Fuso, Mac, Hino, DAF. We know that they're all out there. Hmm. You know, Freightliner, Aveco, Man, Western Star. Western Star didn't do very well. Okay. Compared to Volvo and Kenworth, and like you see a lot of Western Stars around too. I, I don't understand it. Surprising. Isuzu, obviously the biggest Japanese manufacturer, but they've got a hell of a range of trucks from light trucks all the way through to the heavier duty prime movers. Yeah. Even Scania now have lost their Guernsey as the most powerful truck in the market. There's an 800 horsepower prime mover out there now. Who's that from? Uh, I don't know. Okay. I'll have to insert a name. (laughs) It's all right. I was blown away when I read it. Yeah, go and do your homework, folks. Go and find out what it is. <laughs> Just hang on for a second, I'll find out. <laughs> yeah, well, while Mike's looking for that, guys, as you know, we like to be all things to all people. So 
in the interests of diversity, if you're one of the three that bought a new Hyundai this year, <laughs> drop us a line. Let us know how it's going for you. <laughs> well, they probably sold more than three. It just looks like that on the graphic. Okay. I can't remember where I read that, you know. I know it's true. I have no doubt. I think it might be a Sino truck, actually. Mm-hmm. I may well be wrong. Surely not. Yeah, so the truck sales have just gone through the roof. It's actually quite amazing. Mm. The year-long sales trend for light-duty segments also strong. 16,000 lighter-duty trucks sold. 36.2 of the overall percentage of the truck market. Mm. Go to bigrigs.com.au and read the story. Apparently, the latest sales results are that dual-cab four-wheel drive utes are the biggest-selling cars in Australia. Yeah, that's right. Not a rusty holding ute anymore, mate. No. Now, I've just been handed by my office assistant an article from Power Talk magazine, right? which is a sister publication of Big Rig, so we're not going to get into trouble. Mm-hmm. The UK's first journalist behind the wheel of the Scania 770S. Right. Rose, we've made a little mistake here. This is the Scania 770V8, which is the most powerful Scania on the market. The truck I'm talking about now, the most powerful truck in Australia, or the most powerful production truck, is actually 800 horsepower. And they were crowing about it because they're beating a Scania. Back to work, office assistant. Thank you very much. (laughs) It's a thankless job, isn't it? It is a thankless job. She's got a tough job putting up with me. No, I have no doubts about that at all. And since I've been home, she reckons I've been very, very hard to live with. Right. <laughs> Hang in there, Rose. It can't last forever. <laughs> uh, she's loading the gun as we speak, I think. Yeah. <laughs> right, uh, next. Mate, the NHVR has registered a new code of practice to reduce the hazards and risks associated with effluent spillage during the transport of livestock. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I'll tell you a funny story about effluent spillage. I think we've all been there at one stage or another. Oh, mate. Wipers going madly. <laughs> I was going into Melbourne one day, hmm. and there was this beautiful little Mercedes 500 convertible with white leather interior and everything like that. Oh, tell me the top wasn't down. The top was down. Oh, dear. <laughs> we're coming into the lights, and we're coming... This is before the Craigieburn Bypass and all that. You had to go through the old GM Highway in through uh, Broadie there, and you're coming down towards Barry Road, and we stopped at the lights... And this stock crate's in the right-hand lane. And this bloody Mercedes has zipped up the left-hand side of us all. Mm. Just as it's gone past the back of this stock crate, one of the cows let go from the top deck. (laughs) It was just effluent everywhere. Uh. All in the back seat, all over the back of the boot. We did laugh. We found it funny. The driver wasn't very happy. I'm sure. He did share his opinion with the stock crate driver. And I drove off before finding out how that ended. But I can't imagine (laughs) that it ended well. Wouldn't have had a happy ending. Well, at least their day could only have gotten better after that. Well, it <laughs> went to shit at the start, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my old mate Sal Petrosito says managing effluent in the livestock supply chain is a bit of an issue. And he's right. We don't want it all over the road. The effluent code of practice is being a practical guide that helps the livestockers and other parties in the supply chain meet a primary duty and other obligations. So... The ALRTA, uh, which is the Australian Livestock Road Transport Association, Hmm. they've obviously been a part of this and they're all very, very happy about it. Scott McDonald, president of the ALRTA, they've worked with a wide range of stakeholders. I love that word, stakeholders. I know you do. Uh, (laughs) Yogi and I were stakeholders over at Catanning there one night. We even took a picture of it to prove it. Hmm. 
livestock producers, transport operators, drivers and vehicle manufacturers have all had a bit of a say, all the feedlot managers, and they believe that they've developed a code which is practical and workable. The code is a game changer because it makes clear the chain of responsibility applies to off-road parties. You might need to go and check it out because it sounds like it's a fairly complicated thing and the NHVR is currently working on all that. Go to bigrigs.com.au and read the web page and don't stand too close to a stock crate. That's my advice to everyone else. At least if your top's down. <laughs> yeah, well, perhaps someone needs to invent some sort of oversized bovine diaper or something. You know. <laughs> that might help. Maybe they need to make sure that they're empty before they get them on the truck. Yeah. I would have thought that would be quite a thing. Extreme weather events, the easing of COVID travel restrictions and increased business activities across New South Wales has contributed to an increase in fatalities, according to Transport for New South Wales. Yeah, it couldn't be anything to do with the fact that people can't drive. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Remember I had a bit of a chat with uh, Yogi and Murphy when I was over in New Zealand? Mm. And like Greg said, we can drive around and we can have all the bad habits in the world and eventually they'll catch up with you and everyone's looking for answers of why these fatalities happen. Yep. He said to me, look, sometimes it's just fate. Mm -hmm. Now, people don't like that answer because it's too simple. But if we're going to talk about the number of people that die on our roads, you've only got to look around. I've noticed when I've been driving around in the last several months, it seems almost as if people have taken a dose of crazy pills. Mm. You know, you see people doing stupid things and taking silly risks for no real value. Yeah. I mean, obviously, extreme weather plays a part, but people don't drive to conditions. People are just impatient. You see some of the idiocy that people indulge themselves in. I mean, I post videos up all the time on the Facebook page and on my Twitter page of just the madness that people indulge themselves in. And obviously, we cover long distances. There are people out there drug driving, drink driving, and fatigue. That's 20% of the deaths every year, just right there. Mm. And these are all things that are totally preventable. They call them accidents, but in my opinion, they're not. Fatalities on metropolitan roads have increased from 81 to 88 in 2022, mm -hmm. but that's still better than the 2017 numbers. COVID restrictions, well, the easing of COVID restrictions, everyone wasn't driving during COVID, so the number of potential accidents and incidents obviously went in simply because there was a number of people that weren't on the road. Yeah. But if you look at the numbers, fatalities in heavy truck accidents, 52. Look, there's a whole breakdown of the numbers and, and everything there in the story. Transport for New South Wales break down the state's 2022 road toll. Have a bit of a read of it. There's nothing there that is news to anyone, really. Mm. What should be news to people is just how easy it is for us to end our life on the road. Yeah, It's one of the most dangerous things we do in our regular daily life. Mm. It is indeed. We take it for granted. I mean, I know in this area where I live, which is a lovely little leafy bayside suburb here in Brisbane, but yeah. it seems every car on the road up here is either driven by a pimply 12-year-old with red pea plates mm. or a 113-year-old retiree and very few in between. Yeah, well, always amuses me how the red pea plate cars seem to have a pea plate on the front, but they don't have one on the back. Have you noticed that? Oh, yeah, but they, they get stolen apparently. Yeah. Oh, they do. They yeah. fall off. They, well, they only pinch the ones on the back, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because they're not looking in their mirrors when that happens. Yeah. I love the ones that are stuck inside the window with, you know, way beyond legal dark tint on them, so you can't <laughs> see me. Anyway. We grew up in a different time, I think, mate. Maybe we grew up in a different time. I think so. 
I just wanted to talk quickly, if I've got a few seconds, can I steal a few more seconds? Mate, your show, you've got all the time in the world. Go for it. So, yeah, I was talking to Chris Rowe, who rang me up the other day, and he was telling me about some interesting announcements that were going on down in Nara, and I thought, well, I'll just follow through on that and find out what was going on. Hmm. Minister King, the Federal Minister for Infrastructure, Transport, Regional Development and Local Government, Catherine King, was down in Nowra along with the Prime Minister and Dominic Perrottet, the Premier of New South Wales, and our mate Sam Faraway, the Minister for Regional Transport and Roads in New South Wales, was down there. And they're announcing work to be done on the bypass for Nowra. And they're talking about the bottleneck that gets down there every time there's a holiday break and that sort of thing. Mm. The Australian government is announcing an additional $65 million for the Nara bypass planning project, bringing the total joint commitment of the New South Wales government and the federal government to $105 million. It's a lot of money to spend on an investigation, isn't it? It is. The bypass is expected to ease the traffic congestion uh, and reduce travel times around the community of Nara. Obviously, during summer, everyone drives through Nara. Mm. It's just absolutely crazy. There's been $5.15 billion committed to upgrading the Princess Highway from Albion Park all the way down to the Victorian border. And obviously, for those of us who drive down that way occasionally, as I do, you know, we appreciate the uh, improvement in the roads, particularly down to Nara now. But a bypass around Nara is going to be one of those things. You don't have to drive through Albion Park anymore. You can drive around Albion Park. So a lot of improvements down there. That money is going to be spent on the initial stages as well as the planning. It's not just for, oh, we're going to put the road there. Mm. The other announcement that was made, which was quite interesting while we're down there, is the Newell Highway stuff. So they're going to boost the Newell Highway flood mitigation south of Forbes. Now, anyone that has lived through what we've lived through out there with flooding over the last several months, I mean, we're still driving through water that's just sitting around on the side of the road out there. The Newell Highway is you know, it's a critical link for regional residents, tourists, and our freight industry, obviously. And Catherine has made it quite clear that the improvement of the Newell Highway is a priority for the government. Now, you can only say it's about time because that road's been terrible forever. Mm. We could spend billions and billions and billions of dollars on our roads and hopefully get them somewhere up to standard. My hope, obviously, is with the amount of damage that's been done out the west with the flood water that our roads are actually upgraded to a point where they're probably better than they were. My fear is that we'll end up with them as like they were five years ago rather than repaired to where they should be. It should be now, yeah. Yeah. And look, everyone uses the roads. I mean, we talk about you know, people have been whinging to me from Victoria and from Queensland about, you know, we're spending all this money on roads in western New South Wales. Well, all your freight for you know, South Australia, anything that comes down out of Queensland that goes to New South Wales, Victoria or South Australia goes through bloody New South Wales, down the Newell Highway or down the coast. Hmm. Everything that goes from South Australia and Victoria up to Queensland goes through the bloody Newell Highway or up the coast through New South Wales. Yep. So for money to be spent on a piece of highway that's a piece of national infrastructure and using federal money to do it, I think that that's fair. But then I'm biased. I live in New South Wales. My taxes pay for it. Mate, I haven't been able to find that article. Let me put it this way. My office assistant, gun bearer and safety officer hasn't been able to find the article. She thinks I'm just making it up. Maybe you dreamed it, mate. Maybe I did dream it. Maybe I've dreamt about an 800-horsepower Chinese truck. Isn't that scary? Well, just hang in there for next week, folks, when we let you know all about the brand of this particular truck that's got 800 horsepower. I read it. I swear to God I've read it. Yeah.
That can be the bombshell for next week. Sounds like an idea. Speaking of bombshells. Yes. I've listened to the book, mate. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. Good. Absolutely amazing. Good. Released on Australia Day. Yeah, here it comes. What a great job. It was a lot of fun, mate. As you can probably understand, when you're voicing a book like that, you get to read it pretty thoroughly. Mm. And it was thoroughly enjoyable. There's a little bit of, for the want of a better description, it's an adult listen. It's not really a kid's listen, is it? No, well, there's no truck horns in that one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's balls and all, literally. I think Ted had a particular turn of phrase. I tell you what, he didn't let up on anyone either, did he? No. Gave them both barrels. And that's the joy of the read, I think, that you get it yeah. absolutely 100% as it was. Yeah. Mm. Talking about that helicopter ride with the, the news guy. That <laughs> <laughs> had a dodgy pair of Chinese before he got in the helicopter. Oh, yeah. They're probably still trying to get it all out of the chopper. Oh, man. Mm. Can you think of anything worse? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> well, apart from being in that Mercedes coupe with the top down. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. Mm. All right, well, I'm going to have to do some homework now and uh, find out what that truck is and we'll tell everyone about it next week. And if anyone knows what it is, for God's sake, text me. Put me out of my misery. Yeah, please do. 0418722488 if you know what it is. <laughs> I can't think of it. Bring it on. Well, my thought for the week, we haven't had one for a while. Okay, hit me. Just a thought from the wisdom of Oscar Wilde. Just be yourself, everybody else is taken. They are too. Mm. Great advice. I think there's something in that for all of us, don't yeah, you? Yeah, I think so. For all those that have just been <laughs> reading Prince Harry's book and want to be like him, then don't. Oh, good God. <laughs> Ginger and the Winger. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Have you ever heard anything more, buddy? <laughs> yeah. You know that he had a whinge. He was carrying on about the fact that there were a couple of rooms in this castle that they were staying in, hmm. and his brother got the bigger one. Yeah. Oh, I hate it when that happens. <laughs> I, I hate it when your brother gets the bigger one. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go now. Yeah. I'm going to shame myself out. Good idea. All right. Spot you later. See ya. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. One of the great Aussie artists we've featured before on this show is back with a brand new album. Now to add to the excitement, Melody Moco is putting on a special show in Tamworth to release the new album, with support from Maddie Colville-Walker, another Aussie artist featured on this show before. So if you're in the area at the time and you want to be a part of the big party, get along to West Diggers Club in Tamworth at 7.30pm on the 18th of January. In the meantime, to take us out of this week's show, here's Melody Moco with one of her classic hits, Save Me Rock and Roll.
straight out Tonight I'll play for just the room and a lukewarm shower It's a poet's curse to have the words inside your head I'll keep on singing while someone puts my kids to bed On the Road is proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, and Queensland Rail committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Be sure to join us again next week when our guest says... Mike, we've talked about this before. Mike says... Sorry about that. And Andy says... That's all right. In the meantime, play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech, and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. The road keeps rolling in, the party's gotta end. Which one of me is real, and which one is pretend? job with no guarantee and when I'm 65 will someone take care of me